Well, welcome back, everybody, to your latest monthly wrap-up segment from Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. I'm your host, Craig Hemke. It is the end of May, almost the uh, unofficial start of summer as we record this. It's the Friday before Memorial Day. And joining me to wrap up what has been an eventful and somewhat frustrating month is Michael Oliver. Now, if you watched last month's monthly wrap-up where we had Eric Sprott come in, uh, you heard Eric mention that he's been following Michael's work very closely, not only for years, but particularly as of late. And I thought, well, that's a no-brainer. Let's get Michael in next month. So here he is, Michael Oliver of Momentum Structural Analysis and the website OliverMSA.com. Michael, thank you for joining me. Hi, Craig. Good to be here. Hey, before we get started, the usual reminder we always give everybody, this stuff comes from Sprott Money and SprottMoney.com. So be sure to thank them for all this free content by visiting SprottMoney.com, always checking out the deals page. Uh, they have great deals on storing your metal as well. And if anything, give them a like or a subscribe on whichever medium are watching this so that they can cast kind of a wider net. That's how these, these bots, this uh, search engine optimization works. You got to have as many likes and subscribes as you can. So if anything, give them one of those because that helps them spread the word on precious metals. Spreading the word is uh, something you've been able to do, uh, Michael, for decades, and you do a great job, as Eric mentioned, and uh, wholly endorses what you do. So uh, tell everybody before we get started uh, what you do uh, at your website. Again, OliverMSA.com. Well, we analyzed for 30, 31 years now, uh, all the asset categories, stock markets, bond markets foreign exchange and commodities with an emphasis on gold and silver. So, and, and especially today, in, I've been involved in markets since gold was legalized. I worked for EF Hutton in New York and actually worked for the chairman of the board of the COMEX, who was also head of Hutton's commodity division. Anyway, and I was a kid, I was a novice. I didn't know anything. And uh, so I learned from the ground up. But since that point in time to now, I've never seen such tectonic plates moving in sync or in inverse to one another, you know, where they're banging into each other, they're assisting one another. And <clears throat> I think we're headed for the greatest market events in my lifetime, possibly in a lifetime beyond that even. We've got a stock market that was the biggest bubble in US history. How do we define that? Well, they printed money, we know that, and they took rates to zero for a dozen years. And the M2, if you look at an M2 chart and you know, overlay it with an S&P, you know why the S&P went up, okay? Uh, investors chose to put the money in the stock market because back in 2009, it was depressed. It was down in the 600s on the S&P. Okay, cheap. Let's put the money flow that the Fed created into the stocks. S&P went up sevenfold between 2009, 2021. NASDAQ 100 went up 16fold. You go back in history and find me any bull market that later turned into a major bear that ever went up that kind of percent. None. There's no comparison. Doubles, triples, yeah. But seven folds and 16 folds and over such a span of time. So we have the biggest paper bubble in US market history. And by the way, this is not true with Europe. Europe didn't explode like we did relative to the 2000, like 15 highs. You look at the, the DAX made a new high recently, but if you look at it, it's, 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 it's been flattish for a decade, okay? Uh, we think that bubble is broken. We think it broke in January of 2022 for NASDAQ. February 2022 for S&P. We've been bearish ever since. We consider the rally that has been spinning its wheels redundantly. 
since June low and then the October low in the stock market, overlapping mainly the same turf over and over again. You look at an S&P chart, for example, you'll see what I mean. Basically, less than halfway back to the high. Okay. While that's been happening and spirits have been lifted, how come it was that last year, 2022, S&P down 20 plus, NASDAQ down 30 plus, T-bonds down 30% plus, uh, muni bonds down, high yield corporate debt down, everything was down, big down. Gold was unchanged on the year and nobody noticed it. Hmm. 1820s, closed 2021 in the 1820s. Yeah, it'd been up and down, but it closed unchanged on the year and silver was actually up about two, 3% on the year. Yeah, a lot of up and down, but net on balance, how come those two assets didn't go down with the rest of the world in 2022? How come gold is back to its highs again? In fact, marginal new high. We've had a pullback this month, but actually when we measure it at momentum structural analysis, we don't just look at price. And by the way, I've got a real good price chart there to look at. It's a monthly closing price. And if you look at it on gold, you'll say, what am I worried about? Okay. But we examine momentum of price first and foremost, price secondarily. Because usually we find that when momentum trends change, they'll change before price charts will. And if you don't have momentum vulnerability, when you look at the momentum chart, if you don't see a vulnerable situation like a major top being built, big support lines being broken, then you're probably not going down in that given market. Right now, the momentum shifted back to positive in gold big time. In fact, it never really went negative back last September. We went in the low 1600s. The price chart did, but long-term momentum said, nah, ignore it. It's a bear trap. It was. But then it ended up closing unchanged on the year. And now we're up another $130 from last year's close. And yes, we're off the high. But when you look at that price chart I sent across, <clears throat> it's, it's, you look at it and say, what, what am I worried about? I admit for the gold miners, and the silver longs. It's frustrating. Those markets are screaming little babies. Gold is the mama. And you have to view it that way. Gold, if it's behaving well, you should tend to ignore what you think you see in the miners and in silver. Because when then gold reasserts itself, like for instance, we've been under a momentum vantage point, measuring our momentum charts, weekly momentum, monthly momentum. We've actually been in a corrective decline for five months now in gold. And yet we're only trading about a hundred bucks off the highs. Mm -hmm. Okay. Was it 5%? Okay. The bears have been selling and selling and selling mm -hmm. and haven't made any real gains. And they've had the clock working for them. We think the clock is about to run out. If it didn't already run out basically with the low we just made today, which was in the 1930s on gold. It won't take much reassertion to the upside, like, you know, 20, 30 bucks in gold, uh, uh, one point in the GDX minor ETF, for example. And we will we'll then put out a report and say, OK, this pullback that you just saw, it's over. We're reasserting ourselves back up again. But I think that the, the victor and the place to be in this market environment that I, I foresee, it's already begun, is gold and monetary metals and their miners. Those are the places to be. And in effect, gold said that last year mm -hmm. when it didn't go down, when the rest of the world got double digit beat up. It was unchanged on the year yawning after a bear trap. Why was it unchanged on the year? 
I think, because some smart asset managers and also some central banks said, we better get into gold. Yeah. Because when this thing comes unwound in the stock market, what's the central bank going to do? They can say one thing now, but when this stuff starts to come unwound, they're going back to do what they normally do. And that is monetary expansion, cheap money, anything they can do to save the assets that they're put in position to save. And that's, you know, that's kind of had the pattern so far this year, Michael, you know, uh, it's like we're all waiting for the Fed to have that shift. Uh, we keep talking on my site and I see it on other sites, you know, the <clears throat> 2010 and 2019 were years like this, where we were waiting for the Fed to go from tightening or rhetorically tightening to actually then loosening again with QE or rate cuts. And it keeps getting kind of pushed off. We had a hot start to the year in January, and then, you know, all of a sudden February, oh, more rate hikes. We had this run in March and April, and now here in May, ooh, wait, more rate hikes. Um, if, if you could, what is your view of that macro at this point? Does the Fed well, just keep doing this until something Fed breaks? I don't think the Fed leads anything. They're always lagged. And mm -hmm. by the way, if you go back and look at the history of stock bear markets and Fed rate, Fed rate, Fed funds rate during and prior to the top and then after the top, you'll see that they raised rates like in the 2007 and then in before the actual top in late 2007, they started cutting rates. They mm -hmm. cut rates all the while the market collapsed. They were cutting rates, cutting rates. So the Fed change in policy from a tighter policy into a looser policy doesn't help the stock market once the stock market determines that it made a mistake in the first place. Mm -hmm. And also the data points that you're referencing are usually much lag to reality, yeah. much lag to markets. And the data points will come into play, we argue, when the S&P starts its rollover again out of this redundant upside effort pattern that it's been in for, well, actually since the October low, but even the June low. When that rolls over again, and we technically define it, the intermediate trend, which is positive right now, it's been positive for several, you know, handful of months. Once we define it rolls over, and it won't take much next month to do that, by the way, our numbers adjust up. And when it slips a bit, it's going to start breaking stuff. At that point, we think shortly thereafter, you'll start to see the data points that the, the idiots at the Fed will then start to reference it. Oh, look, oh, yeah, there we go. There we go. And give them an excuse to start cutting. And if you listen to Powell, his last talk, he, he in effect surrendered because he, he really got soft and said, well, you know, maybe we don't need to raise rates anymore because the banks are tightening credit for us. They're yeah. doing our job. So maybe we don't have to. I think he's scared to death of the bank situation. And he should be. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're also we tend at MSA to look and anticipate events that most people aren't looking at, like in January when banks were looking really good. We put out a report, two reports, mid and late January, warning there could be an ambush in the bank sector. The ambush came in mid-March. And after the banks got beat up, if you'll look at the charts like KBE, the banking ETF, they, they broke through the 2022 lows big time. Right, right. And then when you shift over to the broader XLF, the financial sector broadly, which includes non-banks, brokerage firms, uh, uh, insurance companies, and so forth. It's laying just above and floundering the 2022 lows. If the S&P were matching the XLF, it'd be trading right now probably about 37, 3,800. Okay. Why is the S&P and NASDAQ so strong? Because of three or four symbols. 
Right. We pointed this out several months ago, and now right. I think the financial press has even figured it out. You know, Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, especially Apple, and and, and recently Nvidia. Mm-hmm. And Nvidia is like five or six percent of the S and P, so it's not insignificant. So if it goes up 10, 20, 30 percent, you know, you can take about 100 S&P stocks and take them down. Yeah. And it, it, you know, it masks their loss. Uh, another sector we're watching for an ambush is the healthcare sector. Hmm. It is the strongest ETF out there. If you look at XLV and look at its highs it made in 2021, it's gone lateral with a mild dip last June when the S&P had a hard dip. And it didn't make a new low. When the S&P took out the low in October, and the NASDAQ did too, it just went sideways. In fact, the XLV got almost back to its highs a month ago, almost back to its highs. And now suddenly starting to weaken. We see massive technical vulnerability in the healthcare sector. And I'm not going to explain why, because I don't know. But technically, there's a sector that feels so comfy that what you need to watch now, if you're in the stock market, are the things that you think look good look for their downturn because when they turn down, all hope yeah. goes out the window. Yeah. Yeah. Michael, what do you think about um, the overall trend of commodities? Uh, earlier this week, we got the latest in gold we trust report from our friend Ronnie Sturfala and his team <laughs> at Incrementum. Uh, something everybody looks forward to every May and, and paging through it. It's always very thorough. Anybody can go to ingoldretrust.com and you can download it. It's free. Anybody watching us should read it. But Ronnie and his team have been talking about this trend of how undervalued commodities are to equities. I mean, every year there's a whole chapter in there. And every year I wait for commodities to turn up versus equities. It hadn't happened yet. Is that something you're kind no, of- he's, uh, he's, he's dead right. We hear all this talk about commodity infl- inflation is the highest it's been in decades. Mm-hmm. Nonsense. Yeah. Relative change year over year in like commodity index, the Bloomberg Commodity Index was dramatic. In 2022, early 2022, versus where it had been in late 2020 or early 2021. Percent gain was enormous. But if you looked at the price level that it achieved on the upside, I think the high monthly close for a BCOM was 131. It had been in the high 50s in mid and late 2020. We put out a report called Commodity Explosion in October of 2020, and they exploded all commodity. You could throw a dart. Energy, grains, you name it, it went up. Since then, commodities have pulled back 50% to just under 100. That's where they, this week, in fact, they traded there. We've got some support right around this area that we think probably is going to help stop this correction. And we regard it as a correction, by the way. Again, we're at 100 on the Bloomberg. If you go back and look at the 2008 high, it was well up in the 230 area. Okay, so he's Ronald's right. Commodities are vastly undervalued. You can't say, well, we're higher than we've been in 20, the baloney. We're less than half where we were in 2008. And in 2011, in a secondary peak, they were up in the high 170s. We're trading at 100. And everybody says commodities are off the page and need you know, baloney. They're still very cheap. We think the technicals are ripe for the overall commodity complex to, again, turn back up and produce another upside leg. We think it's probably pretty ripe. We monitor it week by week, month by month, provide buy numbers for our subscribers. We haven't gotten there yet, but we think this pullback is probably in an area where Ronald's report's going to be dead on in terms of when it was issued. <laughs> right, right. Well, okay, then in our remaining time, Michael, I, I, 
let's focus on the precious metals because so many here, obviously it's what Sprott Money does uh, as a bullion dealer. But I know many folks watching us, that's their focus as well. Uh, as you rightly mentioned, I mean, we all kind of walk around going, oh man, but gold's up $100 year to date, which seems to get lost in the conversation. Making higher highs and higher lows off that bottom last yep, year. Yep. Um, how do you feel about the remainder of the year? And then maybe throw in some silver too, would you please? Absolutely. We favor silver over gold, despite the recent pullback. Uh, yes, silver did not go back to its high like gold did. Silver went yeah. back to its March 2022 high, which had been just above $26. Mm -hmm. Now, it took us a couple legs to get up there. Silver, remember, made a low in the 1720s or 30s back last September, a month before gold made its low, by the way. Yep. Shot up to 24, pulled back under 20, so $4 plus pullback. Then went up to 26.20. Now it's pulled back into the right now trading in the 23.20 area. So it's less of a pullback than the one we had between late last year and February, March of this year, which was a more than $4 drop. So you're right. There's an upward zigzag there, but silver didn't get back to its high. And people think, well, it's weaker than gold. Well, if you actually measure where silver is now in relation to the low it made in September, it's a far greater percent off its low than gold is. Gold's $300 plus off its low. Yep. You know, and silver is, uh, you know, it was 17 something. We're trading 23 something. You do the percentages. Silver's a greater percent gain. Yes, it's more volatile. Yes, when gold sneezes, it, it coughs. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, in the long run, we think silver's going to beat gold. And if gold does what we think it can do, and I think it can do it in fast speed, I don't think this is a protracted gold bull market that takes another five years. I think this is something that resolves in the next possibly year, no, no more than two, because I think the crisis out there is a is not going to be incremental. I think it's going to be chaos theory type where you go, bam, you know, yeah. the action starts, the central banks panic and gold knows that. That's why it was unchanged on the year. Mm -hmm. It was anticipating not what the Fed is doing, which is lagged to reality, but what the Fed is highly likely to do because of what the Fed was invented for. And I think silver will do better than gold. And I think the miners, which again, they act pathetic when gold sneezes, they go down more percent wise. But then when gold goes up, they tend to go up more. Yeah. Percent basis. So we favor silver and the miners over gold, but gold is the mama. Watch it. And we think mama's behaving quite well. In terms of gold, um, once it once it eventually breaks out, uh, out of this almost three-year range. Give an early first stop, uh, ten percent higher, something like. What do you think? Uh, twenty-four, twenty-four hundred plus at first surge, but don't. That's not a top. That's just a pause point, probably. And that's right. uh, that's not carved in stone. We we put out a report on that a while ago, explaining why. But we think one. You've already you're at a triple top on gold on price. If you keep a fifty dollar by three block reversal point and figure chart, you know point and figure guys. They don't look at the day to day. They look at the upticks and the downticks. Mm -hmm. 2050, 2050, 2050. We've never touched 2100. 2050 and 2020. 2022, we hit 2050 again. We hit 2080 actually recently. So top tick is 2050. You ever hit 2100? That's a triple top breakout on a point and figure chart. And we think it's a valid price chart breakout because momentum agrees with it. At that point, I think you're going to have anybody who's been talking doubtful and bearish on gold just simply either shut up or join in. Yeah. yeah. 
And I think you'll see a snap in silver and the miners back to the upside with speed that outpaces gold on a percentage basis. So I think this is gear is going to be very dramatic. I don't think it's going to be too much more fist fighting. I think that we're about through with that phase. I think the next part of the year is going to be the breakout and dramatic follow through. Tell everybody, uh, as we wrap up, Michael, um, where they can find your work and uh, what they will find when they get there. Well, the site uh, has some sample reports, but uh, you can go to my they have pictures of us, handsome picture of me, you know, and my son and my daughter-in-law. <laughs> uh, below my name is my email address. You want to email me, I'll send you some sample reports. Be happy to. Um, a handful of them. And, uh, you know, again, we cover all four asset categories. So we we don't just look out of the narrow windshield at gold and silver. Mm-hmm. You got to look out the side mirrors to see what is impacting it positively or inversely. Uh, and there's not too much in impacting it positively right now. Everything's inverse to it. <laughs> if the stock market weakens, you can expect gold to go up, unlike what most people think. But anyway, so uh, get some samples and, and check it out. And then uh, if you want to subscribe, fine. Again, Oliver MSA for MomentumStructuralAnalysis.com. Thank you. Terrific. Again, I want to thank everybody for watching. It has been quite the month, and I'm sure June will be quite the month as well. We'll have more content for you then. But please be sure to thank SproutMoney.com for putting all this out there. Again, SproutMoney.com for all your bullion and bullion storage needs. And just give us a like or a subscribe if you get a chance. Uh, before you leave and go on to your next destination on the internet. Michael, thank you so much for your time. It has been a real pleasure to visit with you again. I very much appreciate it. Thank you, Craig. And from all of us here at Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com, thanks for watching. Have a great holiday weekend if you're here in the U.S. or hopefully have a great month of June. We'll see you again very soon.